millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we start today's episode, I'm excited to announce that Coin Corner have decided to continue their sponsorship of this podcast. If you haven't heard me talk about Coin Corner before, I spoke about them a lot during season four of Behind the Glass. They essentially make the world of buying and trading Bitcoin and cryptocurrency easier than ever. I'm sure lots of you have heard about Bitcoin in the news. Maybe you have friends who are constantly talking about it, or maybe you yourself are someone who buys and trades Bitcoin. Well, head over to coincorner.com forward slash STG, because whether you're any of those people, I guarantee you'll find more information and an easier way to trade cryptocurrencies than ever before using Coin Corner. When you use that link, coincorner.com forward slash STG, or my code STG when you sign up, you'll get some free SAT, which is a very small unit of a Bitcoin. Bitcoin's value now is very high, and so therefore actually buying one whole Bitcoin fairly expensive. So you can trade sat smaller increments of a Bitcoin. And yes, you'll get those free when you use that link coincorner.com forward slash STG or my code STG when you sign up. I realize cryptocurrency is still a controversial subject. So if you want to find out more, if you want to learn more, and if you want to get trading, head over once more to Coin Corner. Thank you to them for being back and sponsoring the episode. Let's crack on. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host Sam from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes you are. Uh, Each week we get together we talk about cars, motorsport, F1, car, what else? Cars? Cars. Cars. cars, cars. (laughs) (laughs) You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube.com forward slash Behind the Glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. (laughs) But also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash Behind the Glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. How yeah, are you? I, you got here, so that's good, considering that the UK is currently going through, uh, would we call it a fuel crisis or a ridiculous situation? A fuel crisis fueled by the news and the BP people that said they were low on drivers, basically. So, yeah, if, you ha- if you're not aware of this, if you're not in the UK, or maybe you are in the UK, but you haven't left your house for a week, <laughs> you know, fair enough. Um, or you got a telly. There's a sort of mad situation that's arisen, which is so British of us, which basically... The fuel companies came out saying there's not a fuel shortage, but we do have a bit of a shortage of drivers at the moment. So, you know, just getting, you know, tanks to the, to the petrol stations is a little bit tricky. And yeah. everyone went, what? Did he say shortage? I think he said not a shortage. No, he said shortage. Yeah. Let's go and fill up. So there was then panic buying. Yeah. Panic filling it. Stations all across the UK, which then 
ran the pumps dry. Correct. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it reminds me of the nightmare that was people are stockpiling toilet paper around yeah. COVID. Um, anyway, so we've ended up with this bizarre scenario where now no one can fill up their cars, which almost feels like sort of, you know, Greenpeace have got their way or something. You like know? Groundhog Day. Well, at one point last week, I messaged you that I'm actually going to go out and buy an electric car. I, <laughs> I thought he was joking. Like he was, uh, you know, you weren't the only person who made this joke. Like there was that meme that was going around being like yeah. electric car owners right now and then just yeah. grinning. Um, but yeah, you were like, I'm going to go buy I was like, oh yeah, me too, mate. And you're like, no, so what do you think about the Mercedes EQ? Like, oh wow, you're actually going for this. So I mean, have you ordered a electric car? No, but I am honestly, I am seriously considering it because I've got, I've, I've got work, mate. I've got work to do, so I have to be on the road. So um, anyway, as it stands at the moment, I have got managed to get fuel because um, I'm always out and about. Sure, like motorways. There is a bit of a queue. I managed to get some this morning. Um, some some haven't got petrol, some haven't got diesel, some haven't got both. Um, there are huge queues, but at the weekend as well, I've been in three different cars over the weekend and I filled them all up. Yeah. So I am all right at the so moment. So you're buying into this hype. <laughs> you had three quarters of a tank, you went, oh, I might as well fill up. Yeah, uh, so you're three different the, cars I've filled Tony. up. Thank you so much. Um, but no, but I mean, you're right, that fuel is around. It, it, the whole thing is sort of mad, but it is possible to, to, to refuel. I have to say though, I... On the, I just want to come back to the electric car thing because, of course, that was a huge part of social media sort of commentary last week. Can you imagine well. if I pulled up in one today? Well, you didn't. You pulled up something <laughs> else, which we'll come back to. But I actually had a long-distance EV experience last week. I can't actually really talk about it yet. Oh. It's part of some work I'm doing with Shell, and so lots more will become clear I was going to talk to you about soon. that today. Yeah, we'll talk about it. When the, when the content goes live, we'll talk about it. Um, but it was a super interesting experience. Um, so I'll just, that would just be a little teaser uh, as to what it would or could be like. So living. can we, because we, some people won't understand why you can't talk about it. Is it because you've got to get it approved? Yes. Yeah, so, so, right. so uh, I've been so lucky to work with Shell for like five years now yeah. and they're incredible and they're always really sort of open to amazing ideas and things like that. And so, of course, the world has changed quite a lot since I first started working with Shell to now. Uh, and we've always sort of focused on their motorsport partnerships and, and of course, V-Power and things like that. So it was like, right, how do we tell the modern day Shell story or what Shell are going to be doing in the next 10, 15, 20 years? And, and that has to be part of the EV sort of, of you know um, story so yeah that's what we decided to do and yes until everything is fully approved and it's got its ticks and things like that there's not much point me talking about it because I might say what we're planning to do or what we have done and then somebody in corporate says oh I don't like that and then we have to change the idea a bit so, of YouTube insight for you there yeah, ladies and gentlemen well you know and this is a sort of marketing slash PR you know I think if you're in any world of, of advertising commercialization uh, public relations anything like that you know working with a huge global brand like Shell you know it's not straightforward you don't literally just call them up and say oh hey guys can you sponsor my video like it goes through like a whole process and you've got to sort of tie into other campaigns that are happening globally um, so that fits their overall marketing strategy and narratives um, and then yes there'll be various people that need to approve any kind of activation that's yeah. going on um, and that goes right up until just before it goes live um, you know you've got people saying okay yeah we like this you can go but as I say Shell have been fantastic because unlike some brands they're really laid back of course um, you know you get some brands who are very restrictive on what you can do and what you can say and how much branding and I tend to steer away from that because I think it always feels a bit unnatural well Shell is like cool let's facilitate some awesome content I'm mm. like sounds great uh, so yeah that'll be coming soon can't say anything else and, a- and actually and actually I think 
quite a lot of viewers would be absolutely fascinated to really know the in-depths, the mechanicals of how your job works. So perhaps one day I sit there and you sit here, you talk to me about cars. I think people would really like to know the real in-depths of how YouTube actually works and what you have to do on a daily basis. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I Two things that we can do off the back of that. So we're going to talk in a second about our upcoming road trip. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Twiggy desperately tries to get on your lap. Uh, um, uh, I was planning to do a how I make my videos or how to film car videos video during that road trip. But then also maybe we do a podcast. Maybe, maybe, or maybe that is a podcast, but you know, how to be a car YouTuber or... Okay, well, I pre- that was but a- like an in, like an in like not in you depth. know like sometimes you really grill me on my job. Sure, no one really knows because no one really talks about the real mechanics, and and I think for a lot of people it'd be interesting, mate. Okay, because no, you, you obviously that. have some knowledge now, you know. Sure, okay, which is well, unbelievable. Yeah. She ain't got no hair, <laughs> <laughs> no hair, but knowledge on being a YouTuber. Thank you for the support, Tony. Uh, well, yeah. So you didn't turn up in an EV because you didn't, you know, actually go and do that. You turned up in something else. Correct. And I'd almost, always done it on purpose because I know that you love them. So I turned up in a blacked out, black pack free door defender with a defender 90 90 with 22 inch wheels on it so and I've he, absolutely done it <laughs> he walked into SCHQ and he didn't even come upstairs he just yells from downstairs you're gonna wanna come and see this <laughs> um, and then yes I did wanna come and see it it, it looks kind Mega, of incredible I just still do think they look awesome but obviously that you're taking that in for stock correct yeah literally just come in yesterday so um, it's only done a thousand miles so it'll oh, wow, be on okay. the website later this week so it's got some nice uh, Chelsea truck company bits on it right yeah. wheels and things like that wheels so. side steps uh, it's all blacked out yeah it looks um, the part yeah it's, it's, a, it's a mega bit of thing but it'll be on the website later in the week I'll be interested to see if you if you use it I mean even just for the journey back but if you end up using it a little bit over the next five days or so well I will because I've just filled it up okay <laughs> Lucky you. Well, I'm telling you, just rub it into some more people's faces. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, uh, how you get on? Because uh, you haven't spent much time in a 90, right? You had the 110 for a while. Yeah, I haven't spent any time in a 90. And actually, for me, if I had the... Because I spoke to you about ordering mm. the commercial version. And for me, my personal, what I use every day, I think it'd be perfect. Yeah. But like I said, uh, f- for a family and for everyday use for a family, it's useless. Yeah. But... But for me, for work, to throw stuff in the back, to tow, to, to just do what I do, the car I've got outside is a, a, a P300, which is the two-litre petrol, which is one of the ones to have. Because Agreed. it's 300 horsepower, it's a petrol car. So um, I think it would do the trick. I think so too. It's it's a sort of single man or woman's car. You know, it, it, it's a sort of tool for an asset, but then I think, as you might find, not always that functional, but... Still quite desirable. Anyway, I feel like this is becoming the new weekly topic. <laughs> How Sam still wants a Defender 90, but will never buy one because they're so impractical. Uh, yeah. uh, so let's move on. Um, you didn't buy that car for the upcoming road trip, did you? No. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into it because this episode is going to go out on Thursday. And so I probably can reveal that on Monday, you, me and Paul Wallace, oh. Supercars of London fame, 
are hitting the road. We're going, mate. Oh, well, this just feels, I'm sort of almost too overexcited by the idea of it to, to talk about it in reality. But yeah, we've been planning it for a while. Obviously, from my side, I've been waiting to do a proper international road trip for what feels like forever. Yeah. Uh, the last one was summer last year with Lotus. I uh, did a few days around Europe, but you know, even that was such a short trip. This is going to be, well, for Paul and I, 10 days. You're going to join us for the first five, I think. First, yeah, five or six. Yeah, yeah. Which will be amazing. Yeah. And we won't give too many details about exactly where we're going. Most of you will be able to figure it out or guess because Paul and I only ever really go to one place <laughs> in Europe um, but yeah we've got a few things planned uh, some stuff which you don't know about yet that Paul and I have set up as a bit of a surprise really? it should be exciting yeah uh, we, the walkie talkies are charging just over there um, and so let's talk about cars because I'm going to be taking the F-Type R and I, I want to come back to that in a second Paul I'm assuming is taking the GTR because I don't think he's got he's anything got a else or what are you bringing? Because you were planning to bring something. Go on. Just give, just, so what were you going to bring? So we've had a, a brand new shape uh, BMW M3 come in. And I was absolutely nailed on taking it. But unfortunately, because of the fuel problem, I don't think I'm going to get enough fuel in it to run it in to get it running in service on time to come on the trip so essentially all you panic buyers out there you have killed you've the ruined road trip. it you've ruined it because it would have been such a good comparison we were actually texting about this as sub 100k sports cars yeah m3 gtr f type r what an interesting all vaguely different different but similar sort of weight similar kind of power out but it would have been fascinating yeah but yeah the petrol a petrol, I'm going to petrol pump pricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw this over. So, what are you going to bring now? What are you going so to do? I'm, pro- I'm, okay. I'm now. Go on. I'm now going to bring the best sports car you can buy, and I'm going to bring the PDK Cayman GT4. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely done you both. Well, the podcast audience will be very happy because uh, most of them have GT4s. Yeah, you have done us slightly there because I think. Okay, so let me get into it. I just came back from Wales in the F-Type mm. and I went with a GT3 Touring 901.2 uh, and a 458. How did you find fuel? Was you all right for oh, fuel? We were fine, actually. Okay, you know, when we got up, I think uh, leaving home, I uh, couldn't fill up. So I got there and then we had to find a station, which we did. And we were fine. It was we all right. We were fine, yeah. yeah, we, yeah good. No, no major issues. Um, although we did go to one place and it said... Uh, you know, we're allowing customers to fill up thirty pounds maximum yeah. to allow everyone to have a go. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's nice." So I went on the app and I'm filling, <laughs> and then it went past thirty pounds. I was like, "Oh!" So I stopped at thirty-five. I was like, "Oh God, sorry." <laughs> My mate being the well, anyway, he filled up twice, so he put <laughs> sixty. So he said he was watching the liters go in. Oh, of course, and he it was. was like thirty. Liters, and I was like. Hmm. And he went in the shop and the woman was like, oh, so you're the clever idiot, aren't you? And I was like, oh God, it's all getting aggressive. She told him off. She told him off massively. Um, but unsurprisingly, up against a GT3 Touring and a 458, the F-Type struggled a little bit. Of course. You know, roof down, cruising through the Welsh scenery, unbelievable, loving life. Mm. But when we started pushing on and, and the two guys I was with were, were pushing on. Fair. The brakes were a bit squidgy. Mm-hmm. The car felt a little heavy. Yeah. And the sort of, the dynamic, it was a very much a sort of point and squirt car. Like, yeah. There wasn't a lot of feel through the corners, if you know what I mean. Quite numb. Quite numb. Mm. A lot more pointy than the old car. Yeah. Definitely an improvement. And weirdly, a big step up from the Project 7 I was in the week before, a Goodwood Revival. It felt a lot more sort of competent and, and together. Yeah. But still a little numb, which surprised me. Yeah. 
And the reason that I think it became more evident is because of the lack of noise. It, it still sounds great that you have Type R, but you don't have the theatre and the drama that I used to have in my old car in the Project 7, which kind of masks some of the, you know, slight weaknesses of it because you're just like, ah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, for me, it, I think it would be the weight, mate. That That is what mm. I would notice the most. Not so much the noise for me. I would notice the steering and the weight on that car. And so it was the first time, I think really in, in forever, that I was like, oh, I kind of wish I was in something else today. <laughs> like, and that doesn't happen with me in F-types. Like no. I adore those things. And hey, look, on the drive back and in photos and when yeah. we were just pottering around, I was still like, God, these cars are so great. Yeah. And both Phil and Maxi I was with goes, oh, that car's really holding its own today. But I just kept going, I kind of wish I was in a GT4. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and so in the build up to our trip next week, whilst of course I still can't wait and I'm excited and it's an F-type back in Europe and it's like mega 2016 feels, I'm just a bit nervous when we get up into the mountain roads. I'm going to be staring at you going, oh. Uh, yeah, but I, I, they're different cars, mate. You Completely know? different. My, my, my car is a ceramic car, but even if it's a non-ceramic car, it's loads more focused. It's loads lighter. It, it's got semi-slick tyres. Doesn't have necessarily the persona or the character of an F-Type? Of course not. But it will, it will turn in better. It will stop better. So, But there will be times on our journey when we're going down a motorway where I want to get out of it. Yes. You know. Or you're desperate for a corner and there just isn't any because yeah. you're on the motorway. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, you know, this is why I need to... So since I owned my own F-Type back in the day, since that, I've driven so many other cars, right? Mm. My understanding of what I want from a car or what a car can do has changed massively. So now spending so much time in the new shape or in an F-Type again, yeah, I'm just a bit more aware of what a car's doing dynamically. Yeah. And I still love them. I still think it's my plan to, to go out and get another one. But I'm now realising that actually every now and again, I do want to push on a bit harder. It's not quite as dynamic as I would like. But then maybe I go, well, then, then I have to take the 360 out on that day. Yeah, the, the, the problem as well with the off-type the off, the off <laughs> is that it is quite old, mate, underneath. Mm. You know, it's not a modern car anymore underneath. I know they've they've tweak this and tweak that and but fundamentally it's not a new Porsche or or Ferrari or or uh, you know some other or, no, and even that Alpine thing Alpine Alpine thing yeah you know what I mean it, no no it's it's it, dynamically yeah it, it is a, it is a little bit old and yeah. I think um you know it's still got massive weight it, it just kind of surprised me a little bit and then when you text me saying oh, I can't bring the M3 I'm gonna be in the GT4 I was like oh god it's gonna happen to me again <laughs> she was my whole time looking at a Porsche going I want so basically my long my my long-winded solution is project eight because <laughs> then it's you know dynamically so much more like dialed in yeah. I still get other jack so anyway though I don't really know what I'm doing with myself but I can't wait for our trip. Me it's going to be mega. Yeah. I think you guys, we will be doing podcasts on the roads. Actually, the next episode will be us somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Paul will be with us. So oh. I think maybe the next two episodes will be featuring Paul. Which can't we do it in the morning? Yeah. We're, he, he doesn't wake up at 11 o'clock. <laughs> we're dreading, but I think you guys as an audience might be excited about. But let us know. Let us know firstly from the main channel if there's any particular sort of videos or content stars you want us to sort of uh, what we want to see or want us to do. Uh, and then here on the podcast, yes, we're going to have Paul joining us. So you know, what would you like us to talk about? What would you like us to do whilst we're out and about and on the road but it should be it should be mega one yeah and, and quite a lot of people have been calling for us to do this for a while so. exactly yeah. so it should be great yeah um now uh what i wanted to do was this episode i think is going out the same day 
that the new James Bond film is going out. Oh, mate, I'm so looking forward. Do you like James Bond? I love Me James too. Bond. Me too, yeah, one of my favourite. And we've been waiting for so long, but yeah. no time to die, isn't it? Is, is the, he your favourite Bond, Daniel Craig? He's been very good, hasn't he? I think he? so, but yeah. was it Quantum of Solace that was a disaster? And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was a disaster. I just think that Casino Royale was so good that... You know, it's the second one, isn't it? But yeah. when you look at... And it was during the scriptwriter's strike and... Yeah, when you look at Skyfall, that was very good. You know what I like about Skyfall the Bond... Skyfall was unbelievable. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And you know what I like about the Bond films is that the, 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 the money they put into the production, the editing and... Yes. The, and I don't really... I don't get it like you. I'm not a nerd about it, but <laughs> well, I, mate, I appreciate <laughs> like really big budget films Let that just you know that look like they've got a certain unre- look and feel you can tell the difference between a proper film and a low budget film essentially that's exactly and and the production level has increased with the craig films they've given it a sort of slightly darker look and feel yeah that they're, they're great movies and i'm so excited for this and i thought it would be a great opportunity for us to reflect on Bond cars. Yeah. Because that is kind of, a, you know, for us, I think, or anyone who likes Bonds, the cars are sort of a big part of it. Yeah. You know what I like about Daniel Craig compared to the rest is that he, he he's come across as... Um like a real hard man, like a, you know, like a, a proper assassin. Whereas the other ones were like, although they were assassin, they'd like give you a cuddle before they <laughs> kill you. Do you know what I mean? No, like, but this is what I like about Bond, right? It's gone through these different eras, these different yeah. stages. You know, Roger Moore was very much, you know, the sort of jokey gentleman, you know, yeah. sort of sleuth. And then Sean Connery was just kind of cool and yeah. the original Bond. And then, you know, you had all that. Pierce Brosnan was very jokey towards the end, yeah. sort of almost slapstick kind of action. Yeah. So they've all had these different personas and whoever the next Bond is going to be, I hope would bring their own something to the role and not just try and copy Craig. But, I agree. I've liked this kind of darker, sinister Bond. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, Skyfall, what a movie that was. So very excited for it. But yeah, as I say, the cars have always been a big part of it. And I thought we could just roll through and talk about some of our favourites or at least remind ourselves some of the Bond cars. So yeah, let's do that quickly now. Um, we've got to kick things off. A lot of people forget that it was a Sunbeam Alpine was the first like Bond car. When Wait, Doctor No, way back in the day, 1962. Really? Yeah, little little sort of beautiful sort of roadster-type car, Sunbeam Alpine. I mean, cool. Uh, like, uh, well... Not very Bond in what we think of now, is uh, it? But, well, yeah, no. Like, just all right, whatever. Yeah, I think it was the fact yeah. that it was made in England at the time. It sort but of felt, back then, mate... What a vibe. Yeah. Um, so we then went through... So a Bentley, there was a Bentley at one point, was which it? was from Russia with Love. Yeah, the Bentley Mark Four. Um, sure. Okay. Again, over our heads a bit, and then of course, Goldfinger introduced Aston Martin DB5. Now, do you see any DB Aston and think Bond? Yeah, oh, pretty much right. I, I I think Aston Martin have dined out on it ever since. Yeah, I think intrinsically linked with Bond. Correct. Like, and if you rolled up in that car, almost anywhere, even at a car meet, people would go, "Oh, Bond car." Uh, yeah, and and as much as I'm not a great advocate of Aston Martin, that is like literally like full stop, one of the coolest cars ever, the DB5. Weirdly, I'm going to say this, Bond ruined it for me. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I think it's such a cool car and the, the DB4 GT, like there's like some, pro- the Zagato, like yeah, yeah, they yeah. were proper race cars, yeah, all of yeah, these things. Yeah. And then, that's just the Bond car. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, it's too linked to the movies for me. Yeah, but it's a, you know when like you see one, 
Like they are a beautiful machine. Beautiful. Yeah. Fantastic and yeah. probably amazing to drive. Yeah. But just too. And it's still, it still makes an appearance now, doesn't it? It yeah, still they, pops they in and out. Yeah, back, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A bit of heritage notice, which I like. Now, this I had no idea. Toyota 2000 GT. You only live twice. It's only right that Bond's first films to take place in Japan should feature the country's first supercar. Aggressive to call it a supercar. Um, but yeah. I Who's called it a supercar? Uh, whichever, whoever's... Whoever wrote, wrote that. This article. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was still a, still a Connery film. So Sean Connery was still Bond. And you know what? My knowledge of the older Bond films isn't fantastic. Me too. Um, so I would, you know, could easily have missed this. But it's, this is what I like is you go through and you remind yourself of some of the amazing cars that have yeah. been used in yeah. Bond films. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we continue then Aston Martin DBS, which was the more boxy shape. We started getting into, into the late sort of 60s, 70s. Yep. And they took on that more, more yep. boxy shape, which was great. Uh, a Mercury Cougar on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Was um, that the start of Roger Moore? I feel like it must have been right. Yeah. Big old Americana car and we even had a Ford Mustang for Diamonds of yep. Forever. Uh, that's Sean Connery once again reprises the role. Um, oh, it must be Sean Connery gone be, before then. Exactly. MC Hornet. Of course, the Lotus Esprit. Yeah. The underwater car. So what was your first Bond film? Do you remember what, as a kid or like... Uh, well, Ro- Roger Moore was the first real Bond. That you remember I, I, watching? I'm an 80s baby, so okay. yeah. So, yeah. One of those. But, yeah. I, I think mine was Tomorrow Never Dies with Piers Brosnan and then I went back and watched Goldeneye. Bef- you know, ar- yeah, what's that film there? So this was The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. Yeah, so probably the one after that. Fine, which would have been the Lotus Esprit Turbo with the skis on the back. Yeah, probably that That's one. That's for Your Eyes Only, 1981. yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's pretty iconic. And and didn't uh, Harry's Garage, Harry Metcalf, recreate this recently with a taking a spree up I to the... I didn't see, but yeah, did he? Yeah, it was very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool chip, cool imagery. Uh, I always preferred that boxier shape of spree as well. Yeah. Um, but they were fairly iconic, I think, as, as Bond cars. I remember this. The two CVs. Is that the one they got chopped, chopped in? What happened to it the two was the, well, That was the one where they got chased through the... Um through the woods, wasn't it? For your eyes only. Yeah, yeah. With, the, with, the, with the woman in it. I mean, uh, he's always got a woman in yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Bond is forced to jump into the Citroen TCV driven by Melina Havelock. That's right. The squat yellow vehicle does well enough during the chase, but it's clear at certain scenes were sped up to accommodate the underpowered vehicle. Of course. Vehicle. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Eventually the TCV overturns, but local villagers help push them back onto all four wheels again. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Then we've got a tuk-tuk in Octopussy. The Renault Taxi in A View to Kill. Yeah, 1985. that got split in half. That got split, okay, that fine. Split in half okay, that car. was the split in half car. Yeah. And, uh, and it looks almost like a sort of boxy old Golf, doesn't it? Yeah. So what that being? It's like an old, old Clipper. Yeah, just a Renault Taxi. Okay, yeah. Nice. Uh, then the Bentley, oh no, so World's Wide Silver Cloud came back in A View to a Kill. Um, then we had the boxy V8 in The Living Daylight. Yeah. Another iconic car, I think, sure. And that had the skis that came out from the side. Um, Who was the bomb then? That must have been... That wasn't Roger Moore, was Daltry? it? Daltrey? Yeah. Um, again, I'm so bad with my... Bond years and yeah. oh no, Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton, yeah, sorry, yeah. a new double seven, Timothy Dalton. Yeah, but I love that boxy shape Aston Martin. Yeah, movie. I think it's it's such a monster. He's one of my least engine. favorite Bonds. Did he only do it once? I think he done one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not desirable. Uh, DB5 came back. Yeah. Gold Knight tomorrow never dies. And then we bring the sort of BMW era. So yeah, Golden Eye for me. This is the Z3 got introduced, and he was out on the on the island. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that car's so cool. For me, that really, I, I was really into that was Brosnan. Brosnan, Brosnan yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And this was the whole BMW. So the BMWs really, really got involved in the... This is 90s era. now. Yeah, 95. Yeah. We had the Z3 and then we had the amazing... The, the 750. Yeah. The 750, which like drove itself on the remote control and, and all the guns and, the car, and all the guns yeah, and had so yeah, much yeah. trickery. Yeah. That was one of the coolest things I remember. And that, weirdly enough, I was looking back at this a few years ago and I couldn't believe how old and dated that 7 Series looks now. Correct. At the time, it was so legit and so yeah. fresh and all this kit. But now it's an, yeah, an old 97 Series. And, and that looks, was at that point of Bond films, the Q, whoever the Q was then, yes. he was my favourite He Q. was the original Q. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, original yeah. Q and doing all the things like, don't be silly Bond. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then we had the Z8. So yeah, these, for me, these three BMWs, iconic because obviously it was my year growing up, but iconic to the launch, pretty impressive cars, right? You know, Z3, Z8, the 7 Series, like, that was big for them to be featured yeah, in the cars. Yeah, of course. And I still think the Z8, a bit like with the DB5, gets a sort of, Oh, that's a Bond car. It's a Bond car, yeah, yeah, absolutely. People get uh, referred to. Um, V12 Vanquish. Die another day. That was one on the ice. Do you remember the ice? And they had a Jag XK. Yeah, they were racing each other. Was the Chinese bloke with the uh, stones in his face? Very cool. Yeah. For me, though, the the moment was this: the DBS V12 and Casino Royale. Yeah. Because I remember the hype leading up to that car being featured. Yeah. Was that not the Van? Quit. wasn't the Vanquish no, no the Vanquish was the one before right, on the okay, ice okay. and then we got the DBS and that was the f- they launched the DBS in or around the film right um, and he had the glove box with the thing it was Casino Royale when he gets sort of poisoned at the Correct. thing and then he yeah. runs out to the car yeah, and he's got uh, like, yeah remember that was and his that's first when they film. rolled they yeah. rolled it a million times at whatever it's called yeah um, so yeah very I've very I've been cool. down that road where have you that, that they road rolled we it. rolled it the yeah, test yeah. track whatever yeah. it's called uh, was it long it wasn't long cross was it long cross um I'm having a complete mind. It was like, everyone's going to be yelling at me now, but it was either Long Cross that the um, where do they do all the mod- Project One testing and stuff? You know, the the world famous behind closed doors. You can't have any cameras in there and stuff. Oh, well, I'm having a mind blank. I uh, wherever that was, I, I I've definitely been there a hundred percent. Because did it, they roll DBS Casino. Everyone's going to be yelling. Yeah, they'll all be yelling. I, uh, Long Cross just comes to mind. Dunsfold Aerodrome near Guildford. Dunsfold. Top Gear's track. Top Gear's track. But I still think it was on... Um... Anyway, let's leave it at that because yeah. we're <laughs> dragging this out. No, Millbrook. That's what it is. It was at Millbrook. It was Millbrook. It was Millbrook. Yeah. It was Millbrook. That's what it is. Okay, well, I've been to all of them. So, uh, <laughs> so I was alive. <laughs> so yeah, I was right. <laughs> yes, I um, DB5 came back, Casino Royale and Skyfall. And then yeah. of course, we had the DB10, which was basically what ended up being the new the Vantage. Vantage. Yeah. And there's actually weirdly some new Vantages that are starting to creep out that people think are DB10s because you can get that updated grill and you can spec it. So it actually looks weird. And like we saw the CX-8 Jag. CX-75. CX-75 that we thought they was ever going to make and then they just decided that... And I saw recently at the Jag collection. Oh, did Jaguar you see Classics. So yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So little known fact, which I do feel like maybe we've talked about on this podcast before, the DB10 basically launched Seen Through Glass. Really? Yeah. No, so I don't think we ever spoke about it. Right when I launched Seen Through Glass as an entity... <laughs> kicked off with Instagram before the YouTube channel started mm-hmm. and I was still working doing PR for film yeah, yeah. TV. one of my biggest clients for five or six years was, was the Bond films yeah. um, and it was uh, DB10 was Skyfall yeah, yeah? yeah, yeah. Um, and at the unveiling of the cast uh, they had a car undercover and I just started seeing through glass on Instagram and so I was like oh, I wonder what so I went spoke to one of the producers and they went oh yeah we're unveiling the new Bond car but it's a 
I just assumed it was going to be a V12 Vantage. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, it's a whole new model. <gasps> so the covers came off and I took a load of photos and I posted them to Instagram with all the car hashing and blah, blah, blah. And at that time I must have had less than 10,000 followers. I think each photo got about 20,000 likes. And that really launched that the Scene Through Glass Instagram page. So that was 2013? 20... No, 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 no. 2015. Okay, fair. 2015. And, uh, <laughs> and what was amazing was a week later, I had a catch-up meeting with Eon, who do all the productions, and it came off of the meeting. Really? Saying, how does anyone know how the DB10 got? Because I, I didn't leak it, because I, <laughs> I mean, that would have been yes, mega did. unprofessional. <laughs> but... The minute the car was unveiled for the, it was a live, it was live production. We had Sky News, then we had BBC News. The minute the covers came off, you took a photo. I po- no, I posted the because po- I'd ah. already taken the photos. Right, I posted the pictures immediately. So all the news outlets, things like that, were slow because they were they were announcing the cars. That was what they were focused on. So none of the car pictures got posted anywhere else for about an hour or uh, two hours. So I had the exclusive on the DB10 on Instagram Mad. for a couple of hours. Madness. So yes, yeah, so that really helped launch it. So weird connection there with very weird Bond cars. Um, but anyway, so super excited to see. I don't. Think we know what cars are featuring in the new film? Do we? No time to die. Well, there's the, there's definitely cars. the DB5 because that we've I've seen, seen it in the trailer. Right? Seen trailers, yeah, of that. So, oh, it, no time to die. Nine cars from the new Bond movie: the DB5, V8 Vantage, DBS, Defender, Drag XF. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Range Rover Sport, Land Cruiser, Triumph Scrambler, but there was a picture with a Valkyrie, so I got really overexcited. I mean, you would think that they would have to put a Valkyrie in there, but apparently they haven't. Well, it's it, in uh, on a respect to win it, the Range Rovers. Yeah, Range Rover Sport. Apparently, yeah. they're, apparently they're back. They're back. Oh, Valhalla. Nothing but the briefest bl- blink and you'll miss it cameos thus far for the incoming Valhalla. Supposedly in the trailer, there's a shot with 
uh, Ray Fine standing in front of the Valhalla. It really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now I'm excited. I wonder how much Aston Martin have had to pay them for that. Well, it's a big, long partnership, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, so yeah, we're excited for Bond. Uh, we won't be able to see it because we'll... I know, well, you might be able to see it before I go. I was supposed to be going to a screening on Wednesday, but I'm now off to... Abu Dhabi. Oh, what are you doing there? Can't oh, talk about can't it. Can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's normal. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to pick up on a topic which actually one of our viewers suggested at the last Behind the Glass Live event. I thought it was a really interesting point that we, well, I don't really think about anymore, which is how to buy your first supercar. Now, this isn't financially. The point he made was he was coming at it where he'd made a bit of money, he decided, okay, cool, I want to go and buy a supercar. But deciding what supercar, experiencing those supercars, test driving them, being taken seriously by dealers, et cetera, et cetera, was all very difficult for him. Mm. So he ended up buying that really nice 911 turbo, the white one. Yeah. 991.2. Yeah. He'd never driven a turbo before. Mm. He'd driven, I think, a Porsche, but mm. definitely not a, a sort of super modern mm-hmm. high-end one. He hadn't, he hadn't driven Ferrari, he hasn't driven a Lamborghini, so he had nothing really to compare it with. So he's very happy, but he's like, I was slightly shunned by dealers. I didn't really know where to go or where to begin. And I had no reference point because how do I know if that supercar is any good? Yeah. And so I think this got me thinking, you know, what I wanted to address is character traits, what we see as a case. So Ferraris are going to appeal to you if you like X, Y, and Z. Lambas are going to appeal to you X, Y, or Z. Tips for being taken seriously by dealers, independents, or mainline ones. Yep how easy it is to get test drives, et cetera, et cetera. So let's kickstart with, I guess, Gravelwood, because you do every now and again get proper high-end you know, mm-hmm. supercars in for stock. Yeah, yeah. How seriously do you take someone compared to, if I call you up and said, oh, I'm looking at the Defender or the Focus RS you've got in stock, compared to, hi, I'm calling you about the 488, the Turbo S you've got in stock. Yeah. Do you have a different mentality of people calling in? Um, well, we're slightly different because we're independent and, and oh, it's really hard for an independent dealer to offer, if they've got supercars in stock, it's hard to facilitate someone with picking what they want. So uh, we don't really do test drives, mate, because we're fairly specialist. People come to us um, because they know what they want, essentially. So what we found down the years is that if someone wants a Turbo S, they want, they want a Turbo S, they don't really care what it drives like. Um, and to be honest, when someone wants to extensively drive a high-end vehicle and they're not sure, we don't let them go out because the liability lies on us. If, for horrors, someone takes one of these cars out and wraps it around a tree, they give the key back and they say, sorry, sorry about that, and leave us with a 150 grand car around a tree. Because it was under your test drive insurance policy whatever. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, things have changed slightly for us since COVID and because we're not allowed to sit next to people, we, we don't really offer that service anyway. And as well, us as an independent, because it's owned by me and I've only got one car to sell you, I haven't got 10 Ferraris to sell you or 10 Porsches. Well, I might have 10 Porsches, but <laughs> I haven't got Probably. 10 Turbo S's. Sure. Then I've only got that one car to sell you. So if, if, if you're just out looking to test drive, go to the manufacturer, go to the main dealer, because they always like to bums on seats. Okay, you know, interesting. They, they want to get people in the car to drive it. They, they do want Ferrari are very good at it, Lamborghini. Listen, you have to be serious about buying a car because no different to me, the insurance is an absolute fortune to have these cars insured because 
you have road risk and then um, you have risk for the business as well. So you have like theft for the business, like a, like a, like a building insurance. And then you have the two separate insurances, but lumped, lumped into one. Um, so a, a main dealer as well will be very jubilant about letting people go out just to drive to make their mind up because most people they if when they want so if you want a Lamborghini you want a Lamborghini you don't want a Ferrari you don't want a Porsche you don't want a McLaren if you want a McLaren you want a McLaren that's what you want so who cares what it drives like in in my experience I have I have never ever buying a supercar I've never drove it before I bought it because it's it's the one I want. Interesting. You know, okay. if I want a four, if I wanted a four eight eight, that's the car I want. So it's it, it's going to be good. It's going to work. So and if it don't, then it just goes back to the dealership. For sure, but I think there's also that's the thing. You know, you yourself uh, have been around these cars for a while, so you know beyond what you want, what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I think the point being that. Um, that this guy made was okay fine so you might think oh I really want a turbo so you go and buy it and actually you're not I mean you are going to know it's all wheel drive but do you see what I'm saying where these cars are, are very different we keep talking about how similar they are but a, a rear wheel drive mid-engine supercar compared to a, a rear-engined all wheel drive supercar compared to one that's practical and usable like a Porsche to a Lambo which is horrifically unpractical uh, Mercedes, uh, sorry, McLaren's awful infotainment system against Ferrari's very small Apple car play screen you know all these different elements which okay fine if you're researching any car to buy in any segment you would probably consider but you're right I think when it gets into supercars emotions take over mm. you go I want that one mm. for no particular reason yeah and there's also that slight sort of fear. You say that, you know, main dealers are always very keen to put bums in seats. But I've experienced it being someone who's not carrying around pockets full of cash. <laughs> that you walk into a Ferrari, Porsche, Lamborghini, McLaren dealership. They don't always sort of take you immediately very seriously that you're there to actually buy and test drive cars. But it, but it all depends on, on what your intentions are, essentially. Don't forget, these machines that you're going out in they're very high powered they're very valuable and and for me as an independent dealer and most independent dealers will be the same why you know i know we want to sell the car but there is absolutely no way i'm going to let someone go out in a two hundred and fifty thousand pound car that you know they turn up in something that's half the power they don't really know how to drive it and actually, I've always said this as well, what does a five or ten minute test drive tell you about whether you want a car or not? You, there is absolutely no way that you can spend ten minutes in a car and go, actually, yeah, that's the car for me. Mm. I, I, I want mm. that car. Because what, what is a test drive telling you, essentially? Like, if you really think about it, and there's going to be people in the comments saying, I would never buy a car without a test drive. No problem. Don't, don't buy it then. You, you know, you're not, you're not offending me. If you, if you don't want to buy a car from me because I won't let you drive it. No, no, no problem. Don't be offended. It's my money. It's my machine. And, and I, I don't want to potentially get it written off because it has happened to me in the past, by the way. You're having a car getting written I've off. Had, uh, yeah, I had a long time ago, I had a lad go out in a Fiesta ST and he wrote it off. Wow. And then just give me the keys back, yeah, which is why I'm that, very yeah. strict with test drives. But I'm not the only one. There are lots of independent things because they're owned by the person involved. 
when you flip it on the other foot, when we're not just here for your convenience, we're, we're here to sell you a motor car. Do you know what I mean? If you want convenience, go to the manufacturer because they are. If you're serious about buying a car, they will let you let you drive it. I think the point being, you know, also times have moved forward. Test drives, in my mind, were there. You know, the advice when I was growing up or got my first. When I got my license and my first car, you know, you I'll make sure you listen for knocks and make sure that the steering wheel's not wobbling and you yeah, know, like yeah. and you'd go around and kick tires and that's where that expression came from because yeah, yeah that's you know and, and I'm sure at a low end of the market, you know, if you're buying cars sub five K, of course you need to be checking on these things. And and in general, like, hey look, if you're gonna go and buy a challenge for Dali, I'm gonna give you a list of things that you should be looking at or looking for before you buy that car. Questions you need to be asking. Hey, nine nine six, everyone will tell you IMS, RMS, has it been done? There's there's research that needs to be done for sure. But I think what you're trying to say is nowadays, firstly, cars are of a certain level and standard where there are less of these issues anyway, less that you can hide or pull the blanket over or the cover over someone's eyes. But also you're liable anyway, right? You're giving some kind of guarantee. Do you see what I'm saying? People are going to say, oh, you need to go on a test drive to make sure that you're not getting completely conned or scanned by the seller into a car that's actually falling apart. Yeah, so my two two answers to that, and we have spoke about this before, but my two answers to that is that no one makes a bad car nowadays. I do get at the low end that you probably need to drive them to make sure they're all right. But even at the low end, no no dealer in this country, by law, is allowed to sell you a car with a problem. They're not allowed. And they should have um, measures in place for them to prepare that car. They have to, by law. If they don't, then they're, they're, they're breaking the law. Yeah, okay. So... We, we as a, as a, and, and as a, the other thing is, is that most people that rock up someone like yourself, you're not mechanically minded. Mm. You know, sometimes, mate, I, I tell you, I can give you a really good example, actually. The, the, the last of the V8 RS4 yeah. with the dynamic suspension, they cracked and banged and knocked from new. <laughs> so, sure. so uh, we, we had one from new, or I had one from new. And it went back to Audi three times. And wow. I said, this is, you know, the ball joints are gone. Yeah, yeah. This is broken. And, and do you know what they said? It's the characteristics of the car, no. sir. <laughs> That's what they said. It's a brand okay. new car. Sure. So, and, and I'm not a trained mechanic. It's just got to do it for a job. My cars go in the workshop. Like most, they're prepared properly because they have to be prepared because of, that's the law now. Sure. And when so it's changed. It, loads have changed. It's not like the old days where you'd buy a car from a dealer and they'd, You'd have, well, we'd call it lamppost warranty where you'd have free lampposts and the car blows up it's you on your own it's tough <laughs> them rules are completely yeah. changed and as I said you know for, for me it's basically oh God, over 10 years ago that you know I, I was getting my first car and as I say the advice back then was you know you're checking for all these two oh, you know, on the, go on the motorway make sure it's not pulling to one side and all these yeah. different, different things but look I think, I think the advice would change or be different if you're buying a classic or modern classic supercar you know anything from a different era because there are things that did go wrong certain things that you need to look into and, and my advice there would be heavily do your research there's amazing forums out there on every single car you could ever imagine there's youtube videos there's written articles there's buyer buyers guides etc so even from a 360 to an abarth to a 911 things that you should be looking for if you're going to inspect a car and pre-purchase inspections can be done and things like that of course of course but if you're buying from a main dealer most of them now come with a 150 point you know check or whatever it might be for sure yeah um and i think what i want to move it on to is not necessarily the quality of the car but more the characteristics that's i think what the point was being made is 
is how do you know, apart from an emotional desire for a car, I've seen that hurricane drive past me, I've seen that F8 in a music video, you know, apart from that emotional, how do you make a decision as a car guy of which car might be best for you? If you are currently in a Cayman, if you're in an M2, how do you know what supercar might be right for you? So, so... You might not know what supercar is right for you, but you do know, as a consumer, what characteristics you like in a car. Sure. So, with with some professional advice, and this is where the main dealers sometimes fall down. The, the main dealers are only normally as good as the staff in them. And well, some, of them, uh, some of them are amazing, but I'm going to cut you off here because you've done this before. No, no, and, no. And, and I was going to say something people. nice. Go on. What were you going to say? So I was going to say is, is, is that they're not all bad. If you find a good one. <laughs> some of them are awful. No, but some of them are, are very good and very knowledgeable. But it, it is, I'll come I, back to it. But can I? Of course. Basically, any main dealer is trying to sell you their product. So they, they, no matter what, if they're very good at their job, which lots of them are, mm. they're going to be telling you why an Aston Martin is better than a Ferrari. But you know the characteristics when you go in. So as a person, as a human being, you know that if you like BMWs, if you like the way a BMW drives, look at a Porsche. Because I know they are different. They're driver's cars. Look at a Ferrari. It's a driver's car. Um, if you want... If you're coming out of an SVR Range Rover and you're loud and shout, buy a Lambo. Do you know what I mean? It's it's all about characteristics and what you want. And that's where you need to find a good dealer because they'll advise you. And and there are some good main dealers out there that will facilitate. There are some arses as well that, that won't give you the time of day. That's unfortunate. That is just, that's all industries, mate. Of course, of course. And I, but I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head on the direction I want to go with this chat, which is, you know, what are those characters? What, what is that persona? Because we sit at it at people who spend our lives in and around cars. We talk about it every week. We come on this podcast. We talk about cars. We meet with people who like cars. We talk Correct. about cars. But if you are this guy who works in the city, who likes his cars, mm-hmm. hasn't really had a chance to spend a lot of time in and around them, doesn't have a lot of mates who are knowledgeable about cars. So all he's doing is watching a few YouTube videos, maybe reading the odd magazine, but he doesn't consume a whole load of car media. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't spend his life comparing an F8 to a 911 Turbo S. So as a general piece of advice, you, you were doing good just then where you said, BMWs and Porsche have a similar to, similar sort of characteristic, right? Where they're driver's cars, they're fun and easy to drive, but they're usable, yeah. they're practical, yeah. they're pretty sane. Yeah. Uh, that does also mean that it can be a bit boring, but we'll move on from that. Uh, you said Ferrari as well as a driver's car, but also Ferrari, I would say, you know, it's, it's quite a lot of car to sign yourself up to. You know, they are very pointy front end. And, and very different in the fact that a Ferrari, if you need a car for every day, it's out the equation, mate. Then then you have to look at Aston Martin, Porsche, um, which which we would call um sports cars, essentially, or or even or even a Bentley. Super GTs. Super, super GTs, yeah. You're a, if 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 you want a Ferrari, you can use it every day. Because they're all very good. You can use them all every day if you Portofino. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And, and they all make all these manufacturers look at Lamborghini, you know, if you want if you want a Larry car, you have an Aventador or a Hurricane. If you want something that's where you need to tarot your family around, which is just as fast by Eurus. 
is an SUV, but you buy a Urus because actually on the road, it's just as fast and it's still got the characteristics. We see a lot of people come from Mercedes, actually, that go over to Lambo. Interesting. Yeah, because the AMG stuff can be a bit shouty. Of course. Of course. And and everyone has that, uh, you know, me and you, we like Porsche and Ferrari because they really Pacific in what they do. Although they are... Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Although they are different, they are similar in their characteristics that, you know, they're they're drivers, cars, and and McLaren to a certain extent as well, to be fair to McLaren. There is nothing like a McLaren in the way it drives. They just don't work. I I was going to say, I get asked this so often, but if you can find a McLaren that works, they are fantastic. They are Porsche supercars. They do everything very well. Yeah. But they just don't work. But they're a bit soulless. They're a bit, but, but so can Porsches be, you know, Absolutely. apart from the GT products. Correct. Uh, you know, a Porsche GTS is a fantastic car, mm-hmm. but lacking a bit of soul and character. Same as a Turbo S. Same as a Turbo S. Yeah. And that could be said for a, well, they don't make them anymore, but a GT or a 720S <clears throat> for the McLaren range. And the difference between a Porsche and a McLaren and a, and a, and a Ferrari is that you can leave a 911 on the road in London if you can't really do that with a Ferrari and a McLaren because it shouts at it's you. It's two in more. your face. Correct. So let's run through each sort of major supercar manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And I want each of us to give one pro and one con to summarize the car. So if you're saying Porsche, your pro is fantastically usable. Yep. Your con is can be soulless, as an example. Well, you've done that one there because <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Porsche, fantastically usable driver car. Can be soulless. Okay, yeah. so let's move on. The easy target, but I'm going to be very pro, McLaren. But you know as well, another question that I get asked really a lot now, values. Ah, yes. Okay, inherent it's values. huge, mate. What do you think this car's going to be in three years' yes. time? Well, also, I think people are well, don't want to lose their money. I think people are aware of how insane the market is at the moment. Mm. Um, Been asked that for years, though, mate. So GT3s at the minute because after my experience with the touring, strengthened back up. They're 140, 150 yeah, yeah. grand for a yeah, yeah. good spec nine on 1.2. Yep. Uh, I would suspect they're going to soften off over the next few years. But is that car ever going to drop under 100K? No chance. No chance. Look at, the, look at the old car. So if you keep that car for five years, worst case scenario, what, 25 grand appreciation over five years, maybe? Porsche is always quite easy. And Ferrari to an extent. Is that once a, once a model is four or five years old, they kind of find their feet in the market in general. I'm talking in general. There will be odd cars that... Like that, the 360. <laughs> just keeps no, no, going no, down. No, no, no. But we've spoke about... It doesn't, mate. It just when keeps you, going down, Tony. No. <laughs> it does. Uh, no, but we've had this conversation before and it actually really annoys me that <clears throat> in general... Ferraris never ever lose less than 50% of their value. In general, general, there will be odd cars. Sure. But your car would have been 110 grand new. Oh, no, that was a challenge for Dali. My car was like 90 grand new. Right. So so it's not worth 45 now. It was at one point, yeah. No, but it's not, but it's not, but it, but it no, hasn't, no, it's uh, found yeah, yeah, its it's feet. Like, you're right. no, That's I, what I, I mean. I'm winding myself up, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. but they, 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 they find their feet. And Porsche and Ferrari are the best at finding their feet quickly yeah you know and then you know you're into a car which isn't going to fluctuate that much if you're buying used it shouldn't fluctuate that much you're still going to lose money because there's one thing that the pu- the public always forget and that's the dreaded dealer margin mm. if you're part exchanging it the dealers aren't doing it for nothing we've all got to earn a living you know so just like you all go to work just like what you do yeah. you don't do it for nothing yeah. so it's just that 
because it's a car or a property or whatever it's high value people think that it's easy and that you know we do it we don't really earn any money doing it for it. fun we're doing it we're just doing just it because we, we like it yeah 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 we do like it but you know we've got to earn a living yeah of yeah. course uh, okay so to come back to it so mclaren a pro and a con mclaren a pro nothing else like them um and actually for a supercar they're very practical <sighs> a con I mean, the disaster. I mean, they just break. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pro, I would say faster and more usable than almost anything else in its class. Yeah. Uh, and as a con, I would, I'm going to steer away from the reliability and say uh, absolutely soulless unless you're at 90% of its ability. Like, you know, up until you're really cracking on, just could be in anything. It's Correct. And will really do its conquers. Oh my God, you're losing all your money. Uh, correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm putting it in there because it's the one and only. Audi R8, pro and con. Uh, pro, bulletproof, as in the go-to. If you're ever, ever going to buy a supercar to daily, that's one of them. Because it, it will, you know, the two-year, 20,000-mile, service intervals was unbelievable for a supercar when you think about it um they just don't go wrong um the con again a little bit soulless mate bit germany sorry (laughs) (laughs) i would say pro is like you know yeah so supercar looks and performance at a theoretically budget price but even though they're not that cheap um my con is like a little bit of Impracticality, the boot is tiny and bad snobbery. You're buying a car that you feel and think is a supercar and can perform, but if you turn up to most supercar meets or whatever, there's, there's still a little bit of badge snobbery. Not amongst normal punters, but amongst car people. There is amongst car people, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Aston Martin, pro and con. Go on, you go first. So I would say Aston Martin, you are getting uh, heritage, character, persona of an Aston, that kind of appeal of owning an Aston the con is they never quite live up to the badge the, <laughs> flipping out come I, on I, find I, a pro find I, a pro I okay pros it's got a Merc engine in it no <laughs> no mate because it works now I mean, what I, about I, the DBS the old one the new one it's not got a Merc engine does it it's the uh, uh, turbo V12 okay so yeah it's f- I mean come on there's another pro I in there I can't honestly mate the, the switch gear inside's 35 <laughs> years old it's not but it feels like it there's a con str- find a pro uh, it looks alright there you go yeah they look alright still I don't think we need to do cons because you just spent about 20 minutes listing them uh, all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 sorry man I, I, right. I can't um, Lamborghini pros pros <sighs> nothing else like it as in uh, noise theatre um, ultimate supercar ultimate, they're poster supercars they're, it's an ultimate poster car yeah. cons not that practical if you're your size awful headroom the boot's tiny uh, they're a bit of a pain in the arse they have a little bit of a stigma attached to them as well mm. Lambos which is why one of the reasons why I won't have another one because you're own. a classy gentleman no <laughs> <laughs> no, but you but you're right. I mean I have got not much to add. I think you know that when you have the keys to a Lamborghini, 
it is the ultimate supercar in every sense of the way you feel like you've got a supercar like you look like you've got it's just it's everything the performance the sound the feeling it gives you but the trade-off is the seriously impractical very uncomfortable just yeah i mean you know although the hurricane there is an argument that it is more practical but it's nowhere near as practical as its sister car the r8 for example you know it does it does. It is a little bit more special to be in. It probably looks a bit more like a supercar, um, and it and it does probably drive. It, it's all that Hurricane's probably a bit too good to be fair. And Hurricanes or Lamborghinis, they shouldn't be that good. If it had a bigger boot, it was more comfortable. As in, I guess the seats or the room inside for me, and it had less of a stigma. I'd be all over Hurricane, mm. all over it. Fair enough. Uh, Ferrari. Now. I mean, we could be here a while for pros. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best company in the world. Uh, well, I'm not sure it's the best company now. I think they've lost their way a bit, Ferrari, and that's a con, as in the way they perform as a company. I don't think, I think they've lost a bit of specialness, Ferrari, because of the way they behave. Um, they've almost become the mass produced of McLaren yep. kind of thing. Agreed. Um, too many models, a bit, you know, not as special as they were. The pros, flipping hell, I it mean. could be here for an hour. Honestly, mate. like if It's Ferrari. That's pretty much all you have to say. Correct. If you've never driven a Ferrari, I know we said there's nothing like a McLaren, but even at 20 mile an hour in a Ferrari, and I include the modern ones, mm-hmm. there is something special about looking at that little badge on the steering wheel with a little horse on it. There's something. There's just something about a Ferrari. Yeah, it gives you all the sp- all the tingles. Uh, the fizz. The fizz. As the James fizz. May exactly. Say. And there's no real way of explaining how or why, but it is a truly special experience. Uh, you know, they are fantastic to drive on the road. In our opinions, you know, everyone will be hit and miss. But yeah, you've hit the cons up correctly. That these days is actually. It's, it's less special to own a Ferrari because there are so many of them out there. Mm. You still get the same feeling if you're by yourself, but the chances of you seeing another one within 20 minutes is now becoming increasingly high. No matter where you are in the world, there just seem to be a ton of Ferraris. Yeah. And an- another pro for Ferraris that people often forget is that they are incredibly practical. Oh, insanely the modern, practical. The modern ones, which is why when someone always says to me, if I've got 150 or 200 grand to spend on a supercar, I always say 488. Yeah. Because it, I know we spoke about it so many times, but it but it literally just does everything. Loads of headroom. You can drive Huge it. boot. Huge boot. Huge boot. Probably the biggest in its class. Probably, boot, yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, just lots of room in it. You can drive it at 30 mile an hour. You've still got that specialness. Um, you can drive it 80 mile an hour on the motorway and it doesn't drone like a 458 does. For sure. Um, uh, it, it's incredibly efficient. Um, the warranty and the, the the service packages that come with modern Ferrari is unrivaled. Not even Porsche can touch that, which also helps with the values. That's another thing. That's another pro with Ferrari, the values. Yep, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, we can go on. Mate. The list is endless. Yeah. Uh, so a few other sort of outliers, Merc, AMG, GT. I, I, I would say punches above its weight. Hugely, especially um, the R. But the con is... Uh, Bad snobbery Bad again. Snobbery. Yeah, Bang you on, know, yeah, yeah. But, but, and there's not really much else. It's a little bit of a handful in the wet and the, a bit stiffer than you'd think. Yeah, the, the R for sure. But I, obviously, we, we really like that car mm. because you know what it's got that's different to an R8 because you'd half compare them with a sure. 570S. You know what that AMG GTR has got? It's got 
bit of character. It's got something yes, about it. Yeah, persona. Bit, of pers- bit, bit about it. And do you know what, as well? It looks mega on the road. Like, the look of them. You know, if you Agreed. come batting up behind someone in one, they always move out of yeah. the way. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. It's definitely got presence. Yeah, yeah, insane. Always looks like it's got stance on it. It's yeah. mega. Yeah. So, are we missing any... I mean, you know, we could sit here and go into Pagani and things like that, but we're not going to do that. So, um... I think we've covered off most of the main manufacturers, right? Yeah. Porsche, Lambo, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Audi. Um, we'll be missing a few. Well, I'll tell you what, comment below. If you're watching here on YouTube, let us know. who. What have we missed? You've got Bentley as well, haven't you? But that's a GT yeah, car. Super GT, Bugatti, yeah. you know, all these things like that. But it's sort of, you know, the everyday, the main cluster of supercars starting around 150 grand plus. You missed the NSS, NSX. <laughs> Our favourite. Yeah, but you know. Oh yeah, it is an outlier. I mean, hugely underrated and massively capable. Fundamentally, it's a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we wrap things up. So yeah, let us know in the comment section below what have we missed out. But what I want to know more, actually, is if you were to go and buy a supercar tomorrow, emotionally, what are you drawn towards? Why? So, you know, as Tony said, a lot of the decisions when you're buying your first supercar, it is just because... I want a Ferrari or I want a, a Huracan or whatever it might be. And if that's the case, why? Why is that the reason? And, you know, have you actually experienced one or whatever it might be? Because I think you're right. First time out, you just you just go, that's what you've I got, want. You've got to know what you want. You can't go into the market at that end of the market and go, well, I'm just going to drive them all and that uh, and I'll figure it out in 20 minutes. they're all as good as each other. No chance. <laughs> you, you've got, if you want a Ferrari, you want a Ferrari. If you want a McLaren, go and buy a McLaren. I don't advise it. If, you're, <laughs> if you want a Porsche, buy a Porsche. Yeah, and if you want the Aston Martin, then just go buy and buy the Aston Martin. For yeah. sure. Don't yeah. let Tony swear you. Yeah. Uh, don't anyway. tell me. Yeah. <laughs> So we will be back with you next week with Paul Wallace from somewhere in Europe. That's going to be exciting, isn't it? Where are we going to be, though? Um, I mean... I know, but I'm not going to say. Oh, we're just going to drop it on us and go, right, guys? Well, no, but... We better be uh, in a nice hotel, too mate. Much. I mean, I'll be fuming if we're staying in turtles. <laughs> Have you ever, like, let Paul Wallace plan a trip before? Well, I'm a little bit worried because you've been very, very busy in terms of you normally organise it and you've been very busy and actually we was very strict in saying to Paul screenshot what you're doing do not because he will put us in a turn up yeah I literally I I put in the group a few weeks ago so look guys I'm I'm sorry I'm flat out at the minute please can someone else take over this and Paul's like don't worry I got this and the uh, other times he said that or he's taking care of the travel it's been a disaster and we are not snobs I would sleep on the floor so when I have slept I've slept in cars I'm not really caring of course but at the same time it's our first proper international well you've been on the Portugal trip but my first but I want to stay in a nice place have a nice time you know Uh, yeah We've got I mean, to enjoy we are, ourselves as well. We're we a certain are, age now. Yeah, and we are going to sleep. We are only going to sleep, so we don't need to stay in these plush five-star plus hotels. Although, nice although I don't yeah. mind. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't make nice no odds to, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, like, it's but, not... It's, but it's got to be want, nice and comfortable. Nice food, at least. I wouldn't be that keen to share a room with eight people in a hostel, which is the kind of thing that Paul would book by accident because <laughs> it got a 4.9 rating on booking.com. <laughs> well, it looked all right. Yeah. It looked all right. It'll be fine. Okay, so anyway. Um, so yes, we will see you back next week from Europe with Paul Wallace. Uh, for now, if you want... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to follow Tony? He's on social media at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales. I'm at Seen Through Glass. And of course, if you're watching here on YouTube, subscribe, turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're listening, keep listening on whatever platform you want to listen on. See you soon. Bye. Bye.